Amen. If you would please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, I want to talk to you today about and challenge you with what is stopping the miracles in your life. What's stopping your miracle? I'd like to suggest to us today, based on the Word of God, that a lot of us haven't seen God come through because we're holding God up. We're delaying or denying his supernatural presence into our situation and yet into our circumstances as well. So let me explain what I mean by something that is supernatural. Last week we experienced something that was supernatural. God has natural laws that govern us. We know that. You go over the speed limit, what happens? You get a ticket. It's just that simple. Have you ever been there? Amen. I have too. Just confessing before everybody. The world works by natural, predictable laws. But when I talk about something supernatural, I'm talking where God trumps all other laws, even his own laws. It is where God overrules himself and he has set the laws in place. But a miracle is when God overrules a law he set in place in order to accomplish something he wants to do. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you entered the realm of the supernatural, which means that you have access to that which operates outside of the natural. The problem is that we're so tied to the natural, we often miss, resist, or deny the supernatural. Isn't it amazing? That in the Word and in the Scripture, and what I'm saying by this is logic sometimes supersedes the supernatural. And I believe that our Christian life is much like this, and this is part two of the series that I started last week on, Stop Blocking the Miracles in Your Life. But I believe that our logic gets in way of the supernatural, of what God really wants to do in and through us. We're hindered by what we think is capable or even possible. How many of you believe that God is capable of healing? Amen. How many of you believe that God is capable of delivering? Amen. If you believe that, then you have to put aside all logic. Let me give you an illustration. I have people tell me all the time, and I even heard it this week, I'm so upset over my loved one that passed away, and I'm angry. I'm shaking my fist to God. Why would he take my loved one? Well, that's your logic stepping in place of the supernatural. We don't understand. I was uh, watching this clip from America's Got Talent and it was about this young man from Hawaii, and I don't know if you saw it or not, but he was uh, talking about his father. And, uh, you know, it, it went through this song where he just lost his dad two months ago and how he was grieving his loss, but he understood loss. And yet there was another uh, individual that came on, and uh, what's the word when you're trying out? What's it called? Another audition. Yeah came on and it was about one of the young men that was like runner-up or something here a few years ago. And they were grieving the loss of this young man because he was 
a young man. Yet you're going to have emotions and sometimes our logic steps in place of really putting that faith and trust in God. How many of you have gone fishing before? How many of you have gotten into a boat? Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have gone on a cruise? Have you ever gone on a cruise? Do you ever wonder, and this is kind of creepy, when you embark upon that ship, you look at it, and this is really how you look at it, because you're looking way up there at this thing that looks like a city on the, on the water. It's amazing to me how you'll trust the architects, the builders, and the engineers that put together that boat, but you won't trust God in the little things of your life because our logic steps in place of really God doing a great work in your life. You will get in that big, heavy 747 jet. And you will say, because of the engineers, the inventors, the Wright brothers. Were they the ones who did the first airplane? Okay, good. Oh, I'm glad I was on that. I just figured I'd throw that in there. We've trusted all the way back to the beginning that they will get you off of the ground. And then I love this. I'm so upset. Why are you upset? My flight's been delayed 19 hours. Well, I'm kind of happy about that 19-hour delay because if God's in control in the little things of your life, he's going to be in control of that 747 jet. I wouldn't get on that plane if I were you. Trust in the process. Let the supernatural overcome what is natural, what is logic. And I believe that we have a tendency to always rely and lean so much on what we believe. There's times even looking at some of the hurricanes and how these big, huge, massive buildings come down. And uh, you'll see a, a hurricane come through and you think to yourself, this is truly impossible. How in the world did something like that just tear up a bridge that I just drove over? But because there's always the logic versus the supernatural. Remember what they said in the Titanic? Not even God could sink this ship. Surprise! That's how big our God is. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you believe in. Because I know that God is greater than my ups and downs. I know that God is greater. And we have to come to a place where we start believing that God is still in the miracle working business. And we have to stop blocking and hindering what he's trying to do in our lives. You know what I think it is? This isn't part of my message, but, you know, it's the way it goes. I'm just following the Holy Spirit here. I think our pride gets in place. And so, because of our pride, we're intimidated and we're frightened by where God just might take you. Seriously. It's scary. It's very, very scary. But God is capable I love that in this narrative in John chapter 11, the Apostle John is writing and he's talking about Lazarus. And our story is a familiar one and we know about it and I brought it up. It is the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. 
And many of us know because last week we touched on just a little bit of what I wanted to say. And I hope that today as I take you a little bit deeper into this journey of what the resurrection of Lazarus is about, that you'll be able to understand it in its entirety. And I will try to summarize Martha and Mary. They've been called on Jesus to heal their brother Lazarus, who was sick. And we know that because we referenced it last week. And Jesus has said, his sickness is not unto death. And Jesus delays going to help their sick brother get better. And yet, during the interim, in between that time when he was notified, and they picked up the phone and called him. Well, they didn't do that. They traveled there and told him that this is your brother whom you love. Something starts to take place. He dies. Now emotions are getting stirred up, right? Things happen. But today I want to bring to your attention in John that Lazarus, and if you're taking notes, means the one God helps. The one God helps. And this morning, I want you to ask yourself an important question. What and who is my Lazarus? What has kept you Sleeping. What has hindered you from experiencing the love, the deliverance, the power of Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that today, Lord, we can come before you. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. Help me to encourage each and every person that's here today. Help me get through this message this morning. Lord, help me to speak it with clarity so that each and every person in the room will understand the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and the mighty power of Jesus Christ. So God, encourage us today. Lord, thank you for bringing everybody back. Lord, as we, we're all just encouraged in our lives. So Father, continue to help us to go deeper, grow broader, taller, stronger as we get into your word challenge us today in the name of jesus amen i don't you know what i think i'm i don't think i'm going to go as deep into john chapter 11 but let's start with verse 1 it says this now there was a certain man who was sick lazarus of bethany the town of mary and her sister martha and it was mary who anointed the lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. You want to hear something interesting? You want to know how cool the Holy Spirit is? Thank you. <laughs> I, want to, I want to tell you. If you go into John chapter 12, she ends up showing up there, Mary, to anoint Jesus. But isn't it interesting how they referenced it in verse number 2 of John chapter 11? Interesting, huh? I'll let you do your homework later. But I always thought that was interesting as well because the Holy Spirit's always doing his work. Follow his line of order. Follow his timeline. And you'll start to see how he references here. But he, he brings it up here. It's just really cool. So now we're in verse 3. Therefore the sister sent him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, 
but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, it says this. So when he heard this, that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. There's twelve hours in a day. Ryan, twelve hours in a day. Twelve hours in a day. I told you it's in the word all over the place. Time is so important. That's right. Not Light, light, that's how many hours. So it says here, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke to of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Four stinking days. I sometimes wish you guys would get my jokes. No, but stinking. See, I even do things like this. That he laid in the grave for four stinking days. Oh, now you got it. Good. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's forty-eight hours. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, I'm not going to get into all the points because I will get through this message today. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Can I just tell you something? You you don't want to know what I just heard? Seriously, this is what I just heard. I said, I'm going to get through this message. He goes, it's not about you. It's about me. Snap, just like that. Yep, well, I'll do what I got to do. So if we only get through page number two, it'll be page number two. We'll go to page number three next week. Amen. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Don't you just love that? So, oh, here I go. So here's what's happening. He is telling her, your brother will rise again. Now, in there they called him rabbi, so they were calling him teacher, yet you can't believe what you cannot see. The problem with many of us Christians is that we are so tangible. Remember, logic versus supernatural. We want to touch everything. We want to feel everything. And guess what? If it says it's floating on the water, we're going to believe in those that invented it, and we're going to get on that boat because somebody said it worked for them, it's going to work for us. And every time I get on a plane, I'm like, Lord Jesus, you know what? Just hold up these wings. Hold everything up because this thing's heavy. And you know how I know it's heavy? Because when you're flying in those clouds and they're like, 
Hello, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure that you buckle up because we're going to hit some turbulence. I'm like, what did you just say, Willis? We're going to hit some turbulence? And then you're like, whoa, hey. I mean, you're all over the place. It's rocking and rolling, and the things are going crazy inside that plane. And everybody else is like, don't you just love that? I'm like, I don't love anything about this. Do you know how heavy this plane is? It could go down at any time. I've got to believe in the supernatural, not the logic of whatever these wings do over here to keep me aflight. Because I've looked out that window before, and have you seen those wings go like this? Yeah, that's called some real, real heavy turbulence. So our logic's always telling us what we see is what we believe. And that's what was going on with Martha and Mary. They're always trying to uh, test. Who is Jesus? It said he even cried out to them. And I think I'm getting ahead of myself. But he even cried out to them and said, listen, Martha, listen, Mary, you know I love Lazarus. They were... He called them by name. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus call you by name because you have that kind of relationship with him? To know that we can put our faith and trust in him. I watch people through death really go through a painful, painful time. We ask hospice all the time, tell me, just tell me. What do you see? Are they going to be here tomorrow? You know, because you're trying to get everybody in. You're trying to get everybody that you love to come back and and be with that loved one. And yet sometimes you don't have four days. But Mary and Martha had four days. And in that time, we have to realize that God's doing his work. Do you know that sometimes within two to four days that I've showed up at the bedside of somebody, they came out and said to me, I need to tell you, I've never trusted Christ a day in my life. And I've said to them, well, today's your day of salvation. Let's pray. And today you are going to get saved. I've watched people get saved. I've watched people change their life because they were humble enough to say, this is what I did. Yes, I screwed up. And yet we've been able to hold their hands. I remember Robinson Memorial, which isn't Robinson Memorial. I think it's Universal Hospital in Ravenna, just holding this lady's hands. And and she was just so excited about accepting Christ as her Savior. But we sit and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. And yet sometimes we sit and we wait and we get bitter and we get angry. But in those days, I want you to know that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That God is there and he knows exactly what's going on. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And you know what? Each and every one of us have an appointment. You have to understand that you have to put your faith and trust in the supernatural. You have to put your faith and trust in the Holy Spirit. You have to put your faith and trust in the triune, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and know that he has full control in everything that's going on. Hallelujah. So here was four days. Four days. But then he said, what? Move that stone. Lazarus. Come forth. Here's this video. I'm going to play it for you. And in in the scriptures it says that there were four days. Now maybe in your own personal life you're struggling with some things in your life. Maybe you've been praying about it. I've been praying about something for about a year and a half. 
and I haven't seen God do a work. And it was just last night that God said to me, listen, don't you worry. I'm still with you. But in my timing is when I will make things happen. Do you believe that? Listen to this song. And listen to this young lady who came to know Christ as her Savior from Asia that sings this song. And I, I, I chose this video because I, I liked and I wanted you to kind of see the scriptures come to life. Watch closely.
Amen. Isn't that encouraging? We think he's four days late, but he's always on time. He's still on time. We have two frustrated sisters. Watch this. Martha, the verbal and outspoken one, says, Jesus, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. Where were you when we needed you? And if the truth were told, there are many here today who have been disappointed by the Lord, and we know that. The Lord didn't do what you clearly understood he said he was going to do when you thought he was going to be in a hurry. Yet he's taking his time. And when you thought he answered your prayer, the answer was the opposite. In fact, if the truth be told, some of us believe God actually made stuff worse by his negligence and by his delay and even by his denial. Would you agree with me? That's our story. And we're going to pick it up in verse 38. And it says, so Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus was being deeply disturbed by the pain and the anguish, the emotion of what he was dealing with in the life of Martha and Mary. And in fact, in verse 35, the shortest, shortest verse in the Bible, it says this, Jesus wept. Say this with me. Jesus wept. So Jesus cried at the pain. He shared the pain of Martha. He shared the pain of Mary. But let me tell you something about Jesus' emotions. While Jesus sympathizes with our infirmities, in Hebrews chapter 4 it says, So he comes to the tomb, and, and when he gets there, he issues a command, which is found in verse 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Remove the stone. There's a stone, a large boulder over the cave where Lazarus' body is buried. And Jesus says, remove the stone. Say this with me. Remove the stone. He ushers a command that involved action. Martha, the big mouth sister. I only said that because she's the one that does all the talking. She says to Jesus, Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus heard her. We don't do what he tells us to do when either, I'm sorry, when we either do not like or do not understand his instructions. Why? Because we argue back with human logic all the time. It doesn't make sense. You may be absolutely correct. Your facts may be impeccable. You're absolutely correct. Martha, dead four days. Yeah, he probably stinks. That's kind of what happens, right? So Jesus responds, and Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you? Did I not say to you? Let me stop right there. Can't you hear? Are you not paying attention? Did not I say to you? You're not working? Let me explain something, sister. Jesus never wastes words. He never says anything because he feels like talking right now. When he says something, he wants you to pay exact attention to his wording. Nothing will block the supernatural movement of God in your life like logic. Ron Sr. always says edumacation. Some of us have 
had educated ourselves out of the supernatural. We're just too smart for God. Too intelligent for heaven. Too brilliant for the kingdom of God. And so we live with our logic and so we live only in the natural. So here's what he says. Didn't I say to you, girl, can't you hear what I am saying? What did you say to her, Jesus? Didn't I say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Didn't I say to you, if you believe, you would see in the supernatural? If you believe, you would see. What would you see? The glory of God. Many of us in this room are going, but what is the glory of God? It's God on display. The glory of God is God revealing himself as God in your circumstances. And the glory of God is when God advertises himself. The glory of God is when God puts himself or his attributes on a billboard so you can see God at work. But you will not see it in the physical until you believe it in the spiritual. Some say you've got to see it to believe it. Jesus said you have to believe it to see it. Some say you've got to see it to believe it. Jesus said you have to believe it to see it. Thank you. From the front row. You and I are blocking our miracles because of human logic. That, even if it's correct, trumps what God said. You have to just done what Matthew 13 says. He did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. So you will be limited. I will be limited. We collectively will be limited to the natural when we do not move the stone. That is, when we do not act on what God has said, whether we understand it, can figure it out, like it or not. And that is what often happens with Christians. Limiting us to the natural. Because we can't figure out how God's going to do this. We can't figure out where this is going to come from. So didn't I say that you would see with your own eyes the glory of God? But you won't see the supernatural till you believe. And you believe by doing what I told you to do. God is saying, I'll wait. I'll wait until you decide to believe. I'll wait till you decide what you're not going to just throw facts my way like I don't know what I'm talking about. He said, I created the world and you're going to describe to me biology? I understand all of it. Listen to me, Martha. Get with the program here today. Stop the logic. There's two different types of wills that we'll see. And let me tell you something about the will of God. God has a revealed will. That's what he sees in the Bible. And then he has a secret will. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. That the secret things belong to God. He hasn't revealed all of them. And you cannot get to God's secret will if you've ignored his revealed will. Now here it is. You cannot get to God's secret will if you've ignored his revealed will. In other words, if he says move the stone or whatever it is in your situation he tells you to do. But you have to see what he's going to do before you move the stone. You'll never see what he's going to do because... He'll keep secret, his secret will, until he sees you believe his revealed will. Prime example. 
we wouldn't be where we're at today if we didn't understand his revealed will but he has a secret will for our ministry we have to be surrendered to it in the same way that you have to be surrendered to him in your personal life you have to say god reveal yourself and i know there's something going on right now and yeah i want answers but what he was teaching through lazarus was he was saying listen mary and martha you have expectations And I think expectations become that big boulder in our life. We expect things to go my way, our way. And when they don't, we lose all faith. Do I get an amen up in there? Say this with me. Move that stone. You know what that stone is? That is your will. Get rid of your will. Say, all right, I'll do exactly what you said. I will move that stone. Stone. Now watch this, because in verse 41 it says, Then they took away the stone from the place where uh, the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So they removed the stone. See, some of you all missed out. You missed it. So they removed the stone. How did that stone get moved? Well, because I said last week she called in a small group. Notice Jesus was talking to her, but she didn't move the stone. They moved the stone. Why did they move the stone even though he's talking to her? Because the stone was too heavy for that woman to move. She needed somebody to help her move it because it was too heavy for a woman to move. Now listen, don't you women libbers get up in there and start telling me, do you know how strong I am? I'm stronger. Do you want me to arm wrestle you right after service today? No, I'm not because you might beat me. But all I know is in this narrative, (laughs) God said, move that stone. So they all moved that stone. So what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is some issues are too big for you to handle by yourself. And some stones, problems, maybe difficulties are too tough for you. You've done it too long. You've been in it too deep. It controls you. It owns you. Maybe for some of you in this room, you're addicted to it. It's a stronghold because if you could have moved it by yourself, it would have been moved by now. Ooh, that's good. I have a, I have a couple African-American preachers. I would be like, oh, brother, that's so good up in there. Because if you were able to move it by yourself, you would have moved it by now. Amen? That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's when we cry out to God and say, God, I can't move this thing. Get it out of my life. We need to move it. We need freedom from it. Quit saying you can do it on your own and say, God, here I am. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let you have all of me, not some of me, but all of me. And God will do just that in your life. Maybe you're dealing with some financial hardships, some hang-ups, maybe some addiction, maybe just something personal in your own life, and you've been trying to do this by yourself. Well, I'm here to tell you, you will never be able to do it by yourself. You need the power of Jesus Christ. That's where freedom comes. That's why the shirts say, walking free. It's a stronghold in your life. So there were people who were brought alongside to help her move something she could not move herself. Too deep. 
That's why you need community. That's why you need people around you to help you move stones you can't move because God won't move until the stone is moved. So you cannot move that stone. Get some people around you that care enough for you, who are crying with you enough, who love you enough to put their hands on your stone that you got to move. And everyone in here should either be getting help to move a stone or be helping somebody else to move a stone. Because if you're helping somebody else, that means you've got some people who can help you. That's what church is supposed to be. And so they help her move that stone. Amen. Say with me, move that stone. Now, here's where it's going to get a little bit deeper. Follow with me. Some of us are asking when. God is saying then. How long? Then. Where are you, God? Waiting on then. I'm waiting on you to do what I told you to do so that I can do what I'm going to do. And we are now introduced to a doctrine in the Bible, and we see the doctrine practiced right here. It's called the doctrine of divine intercession. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, let's read it together. That Jesus is our intercessor. Therefore, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The Bible also says in Romans 8:27 that the Holy Spirit is our intercessor according to the will of God. So it has to be God's will, of course. But there are a lot of things in God's will he's waiting to do after he's seen faith in action. Isn't this, you know, there's so much, I I just, this whole study for me, every week is making my, my mind just explode. Because I'm starting to watch so many factors in life that are coming to fruition and reality by just believing. You know, we've got we to gotta understand that we've got to move with the Holy Spirit. We've got to believe. Because Jesus wants to continually do stuff in your life. And there's so, yes, there's so much that he has in our life that he wants to do. So he says, then Jesus said, he raised up his eyes. Now watch this. I don't want to lose you. I'll be winding this thing down. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So let's look at what happened here. I thank you, Father, that you've already heard and we've already talked about this. In other words, when they sent word to me about the need of a miracle, you and me, Daddy, had a meeting. And in our meeting, when we discussed this, we agreed that when we saw faith, we were going to do a supernatural work. You and I have already had this meeting. But even though you and I have had the meeting in the spiritual realm, they're not going to see what we agreed on in the physical realm until the bridge of faith is built so that my intercession for them becomes you bringing to pass what has already been agreed on. That's deep. So why is that so important for you to know? That your supernatural miracle, whatever is in God's will to do, has already been agreed on in the, superna- in the spiritual realm. That means you do not have to beg God to do something that is in His will to do. Here, it's not you waiting on God if He's agreed to it. It's him waiting on you to move the stone so he can let you see what was already previously agreed on. It's called the intercession of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
bringing into the physical realm. Now watch what has previously been agreed on in the spiritual realm. Once faith has been exercised, once faith has been exercised, even if it has to overrule logic and correct logic, this is the intercession of God. What a great truth. That God stands like a defense attorney between the client and the jury to plead your case about something that's already been agreed on in the spiritual realm. That's why the Bible says he's already been to the end and then he's back up in the beginning. So he already knows where this thing is going, but faith activates it in your experience. Now the father never ever turns down the son. So the key is getting Jesus to ask for what you're asking for because you may feel like God has turned down you. But he never turned down Jesus. Because you do always, and he said this, because you always answer me. But what about if what you're talking about isn't what Jesus is talking about? What about if what you're talking about isn't what Jesus is talking about? Does Father not listen? But that's why John 10 says this. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. But if you acknowledge me before men, I will talk to my Father about you. And right here, we're right in the middle of a stinky situation. Because he's been dead four days. And he stinks. We're in a trap situation because he's been locked down behind a stone that a whole group of people have to actually move. Are you trapped? It is the only hope for this thing, a resurrection. You qualify for the supernatural. It says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Hmm. Notice the specificity of the cry, not y'all come forth, because then everybody from the graveyard would have gotten up. What he requested was the specific answer to the specific request. Not a general answer that everybody applies to everyone. And when you need a miracle, you aren't talking about everybody. You're talking about, it's me. It's me. It's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. You need him to call. Hey, Lazarus! Yo, Lazarus! Not just some vague answer. By the way, that's how you know it's God. When he calls it by your name. When he says, Lazarus. So a specific answer to a specific need in a specific situation. Predicted on a specific request. Lazarus. Come forth. Now before I close, I want you to watch this. And I don't want you to miss a thing here. Getting ready to close this whole sermon out this morning. 
says the man who had died came forth bound with hand and feet with wrappings and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said unto them, unbind him and let him go. Now watch this with me. It says loose him and let him go. You don't want to miss this. It says he came forth, but he didn't come forth walking. He came forth shuffling because he was still tied up. See, it said he was tied up around his legs, around his hand, and around his head. He was still wrapped in the death cloth. He got up, but that's how he was moving. So now watch this. He was alive. But he was not liberated because he was still tied up. Ooh, that's what I'm saying, preacher. Think about that. He was not liberated because he was still tied up. He may be alive, but he was still bound. So he comes walking out because he's tied up. But guess what Jesus did? So he comes walking out because he's tied up. And he calls on a small group. And here's what he said. I want you all to untie his legs. And I want you to unhook his arms. I want you to unwrap his head. Because I want the other folks to participate in my miracle. God just doesn't want. He doesn't want to do miracles that exclude you. He wants to do miracles that include you. You're a part of the miracle. He did enough to get it going. And here's what he says. I want you all to finish it off so that you can see how I can use people in the lives of circumstances to do what they can do. I'll get him alive. You all can at least unwrap the body. Unwrap this boy. You and I are participants. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse uh, chapter 6 says, We are workers together with him. He will do what we cannot do. He wants us to do what we can do so that we become partners in the supernatural miracle working process. And then it closes by saying this, And many believed on him. Man, there's so much more I want to say to you, so I'm going to say it. Is that all right? Amen. Thank you. All right. So let me explain this. God doesn't do miracles just to show off. He doesn't do the supernatural just to flex his muscles. He does the supernatural so that his name will be known. Many, it says many believed on him. That's the problem with a lot of people coming to church looking for a blessing. They're looking for what God's going to do for me. I want a new house. I want a new car. I want new clothes. I want this. I want that. New, new, new. Do something for me. Bless me. I want my blessings right now. Give me my blessings. You know that's why I'm here. Then after God does something, he gets no notification, no glorification. You're not witnessing. You're not talking about him. You're not giving him the credit. You're not responding and giving. You're not doing anything. You're just talking about your blessings. He doesn't just bless you for you. He blesses you for his name, for his glory, for his impact, and your testimony and your ministry. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When you get your supernatural, you better open up your mouth and you better declare the greatness of your God. Because only your God, Jesus, can go into your grave and raise you up and give you life. You better give him the glory to his name. So let me hear you say glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've missed it. 
So God's doing great things in our lives, and He wants to use you to do it. And yet He wants credit, and He wants glorification for everything in your life. And if God has done something great in your life, can I just encourage you today to say this? God, here I am. I have a whole community. Unravel me. I'm alive, but I've been tied up. I'm alive, but I've been wrapped up. I'm alive, but I've been in chains. I want you to say this with me. Unwrap me. Loose those cloths in Jesus' name. Maybe some of you in this room have been all tied up. Maybe you've been in the grave. Maybe you've only been half alive. Some of you are dead. Some of you kind of look dead today. Oh, help me, Lord. You're welcome. Watch this. A miracle is where God trumps the natural law to accomplish something that is in His will. Whew. But we can block our miracles. We can block God overriding what nature says or what circumstances dictate ought to be happening. We can block that by our disobedience, by our faithfulness. God is still a miracle-working God. He still can trump the natural order of things in your life. And the scripture says over and over again, nothing is impossible with God. Look to the person around you and go, hey, nothing's impossible with God. However, God also makes it clear to us. That if we refuse to put faith before sight, if we have to see it before we believe it, then the miracle we are asking for, needing, and desiring may just never occur in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I'm just going to say something. You are battling something in your life. I believe the Holy Spirit. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You want a church running in freedom? Think about this, church. Why is it that God has given you the spirit to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've been coming and sitting by yourself? Here's the thing. Invite someone to church. Let them see who's glorified in your walk with Christ. That'll change. Can you think about this? We have baptism coming up, right? It's a resurrection service. We sing Glorious Day, and we just love all these songs. I mean, Easter around here is so much fun. It's just a great week. We're having Passion Week where it's going to be prayer from Monday all the way up through Sunday. It's going to be awesome between the board, the men, the women, the church community. We're just going to, we're going to pack this church with prayer. And then we need to pack this church with people out the doors that way. Let's open up the windows and put chairs out here, right? Do you believe you can do that? Okay, amen, because don't let your logic get in the way of what the supernatural can do because God is ready to do something in your life if you'll let him. You've got to receive that this morning. And you've got to say, God, here I am. I'm not going to be like Martha and Mary. And they walked right up to him. They held him accountable for what he said. Listen, things won't be in your timing, but they're in God's timing. But you better get on your face before God. Listen to me. And repent and repent and confess and you'll start to see victory in your life. And then he gets the glory for everything that you're going through. Let's rise to our feet. Let me say this with you.
God wants to know that we believe what he says, even though our physical eyes do not yet see it. It is absolutely critical that if you need a miracle, if you need a miracle, we believe in a miracle working God. But how will you know that you have positioned yourself for your miracle? Very simply, are you doing what he asks you to do that you do know? So you can see what he wants you to see that you don't know, but that you need. I want you to prove this morning that you really want a miracle by your feet, not just by your feelings, by your movement, not just by your mouth, by your life, not just by your lips. Move in faith what he has revealed, because when you obey his revealed will, you will see his secret will unveiled. Do you trust in him? Do you have faith in him? Say, God, move that stone in my life today. I'm going to trust in those around me. I'm going to share my heart. I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent. And I'm going to say, God, here I am. Mold me, make me, reshape me. You hear me say that all the time, but every week, that is my challenge in my own walk. Maybe you're the next preacher. Maybe you're the next teacher. Maybe you're the next praise and worship leader. Because if I wasn't up here praise and worshiping, you don't know how long I might go. Just kidding. But I will say that God wants you to believe what you cannot see. Will you trust him today? Father, we love you. Thank you that today we can come before you. You said, Lazarus, come forth. Awake like the dawning. Awake like the morning. Arise with new hope. For a new life is born. Oh God, we thank you that today that we understand what it's like to say, God, here I am, I surrender. God, there are people in this room that, Lord, you need to change. Maybe they can grab somebody next to them and say, Lord, it takes a community. You took a community to move a stone. You took a community to unwrap uh, a guy who was dead. Lord, you wanted to see their faith between day one and day four. So, Father, thank you for your timing. God, we trust in you. We believe that your will would be done. So, Father, we pull down the strongholds of unbelief, lack of faith, uncertainty, lies, deceitfulness. God, we ask that your peace would be with us. Lord, you know that you understand the five love languages too. But yours is the God of trust. You want us to trust in you, to believe in you, have faith in you. So God, today, we trust in you. God, bring us to our knees. You brought Martha to her knees. Bring us to our knees. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, for that one person, maybe those individuals that you spoke to today. Lord, we give you the glory and the praise for all you've done. Lord, I'm excited to see what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray.